0: Hey there, welcome to episode 82 of Inbound Agency Journey. This is Andrew. Today we're excited to kick off season seven of the podcast. Guys, it has been an awesome ride so far. So excited to have you here. Thanks for cutting some time out of your, I'm sure, insanely busy schedule to join us here. Over the past six seasons, we have brought on a ton of crazy smart people and today is not going to be any different. But before we get to this interview that Gray has with Gabe Wahab from Square Two Marketing, I'm going to give you a little preview about what is to come here in the next few weeks. If you're listening to this podcast and you're the time of its recording, you know that Inbound 16 is just around the corner. And if you are going to be in Boston at Inbound 16, we would love to hang out with you. Ryan and I are both going to be be there unfortunately gray is having a baby which is not an unfortunate thing but stinks he's not going to make it out to the conference with us this year but if you're at inbound a we want to see you so reach out to us on twitter i'm at andrew jdemski i'd love to hear from you and let us know that you're there but also we've got the opportunity to speak this year on the agency track at inbound 16 so if you're setting up your uh, your sessions right now search for grab a pen lessons learned from over 70 inbound agency owners we took the top five lessons shared here on inbound agency journey from some of the smartest minds in the inbound agency community condensed it down into one session and we're going to be sharing that at inbound 16 this year so 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 excited to have that opportunity and would love to meet with you face to face so if you're a regular podcast listener it's so the first time listening whatever it is shoot me a tweet let me know that you're going to be up at inbound would love to have a chance to shake your hand, say hi, and just chat a little bit. So, without further ado, folks, here is Gray's interview with Gabe. Here we go. Welcome to Inbound Agency Journey. This is the show where inbound agency leaders share the strategies, shortcomings, and successes they've experienced in their journey toward building their dream agency. Now, here are your hosts, Andrew and Gray.
1: All right, welcome back to Inbound Agency Journey. This week, I have the pleasure of bringing on Gabe Wahab. Gabe, we just talked about how to say it. Wahab, Wahab. (laughs) Which way does the A go? Wahab. 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 We got it. I like it. Gabe, uh, Gabe is at Square2Marketing right now, um, and we're going to dive into his role and background, and we'll get all that all that goodness. But before that, um, Gabe, you were at Savvy Panda. Started that agency? Is that right?
2: Yeah, I started it uh 2001 and ran it for 13 years.
1: Man, so let's kind of go through. Obviously, there's a ton of history to go through um, since 2001. is 15 years. Congratulations, 15 years uh, at, at two different places. Um, but walk us through, let's kind of go through just real quickly how, what prompted starting savvy Panda?
2: Well, just kind of actually honestly fell into my lap. I, uh, was creating websites just for fun. And I was, I was a freshman in college actually at the time and, um, had a business approach me, uh, architecture agency, downtown Milwaukee. And, uh, they were looking for a website and obviously we're looking for the, the college price versus the, you know, and this is, you know, right at the beginning of 2000 when websites for businesses were hot and starting to become, starting to become a necessity. And, um, they just approached me for that website and started with that and did a good job and then just get, kept getting referrals, referrals, referrals. And then by the time I was uh, done with college, you know, had a nice full client base and uh, just made sense to keep going and love doing what I was doing.
1: Yeah. So, what was, what did you study in school or how did they know that you, where did the web skills come from?
2: Well, I was a uh, computer science in school and, um, you know, just learn by doing, honestly, learned yeah. from wanting to get things done and didn't really learn any web design in school, you know, it was all, C plus plus, Java, JavaScripting occasionally, um, but uh, yeah, it was all just self taught to start.
1: Nice, that's awesome. And you guys, I'm gonna were you guys big? You guys were big in the Drupal community or Joomla? Did jo-
2: you did you Joomla, do a lot in
1: Joomla? Yeah, actually. Okay.
2: Yeah, Joomla community and and HubSpot were kind of our two areas of expertise. But started in the in the Joomla community and really really grew out of that.
1: Right. So, and based in Milwaukee with Savvy Panda, is that correct?
2: Yeah, yeah, okay. we were based in Milwaukee, and then we actually opened up uh, a second office in Indianapolis. Oh, that was maybe five, six, seven years ago, something like that. We actually acquired another agency that was in Indianapolis, a small agency, and so we uh, we got a, a second office out of that.
1: I'm getting all these good historical tidbits here. So... <laughs> um. So you guys got how what was the transition and I'm just super curious always in knowing people's like background stories and what uh kind how it, how they got to where they are. What led you guys into the hubspot community
2: so I was looking to market my own business I was looking to um, you know create a marketing channel and I just kept looking at advertising and radio and some of the other more traditional methods that were other people were doing. And I was just like, this just doesn't make sense. This isn't for me. I don't really believe that this is the answer to my, what I need for marketing. And so I started looking into it more and more. And, uh, and then I actually, so a lot of you guys probably know Luke Summerfield at, at HubSpot. And, um, you know, I had known Luke actually through, um, the gym that we both go to. So we both go to a uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu gym at the time. We had done some other things together as well uh, previous to that. And so I ended up actually bringing, hiring Luke and bringing him on at the company. And he was going to run our marketing. And we started looking at HubSpot and what everything HubSpot could do and said it was just an epiphany. It was like this, this is exactly what we need. I feel like not only can we do this for ourselves, but this is something that we could do for, for clients as well. And I essentially gave Luke ownership of all that and said, figure this out, you know, you're in charge with it. And he just took off with it and just got like killer, killer results for us, you know, just just off the, off the chart results. And we just started growing like crazy through that. That's
1: awesome. So from that growth then using HubSpot, how did that transition into you servicing clients using HubSpot or building on the HubSpot platform?
2: So, um, you know, it first started, I'd say, with, with um, you know, doing it for ourselves, right? We had to learn how to do it for ourselves and we had to be successful with it for ourselves. We had to see what worked, what didn't work, and, and, and so on and start getting the experience. And once we felt comfortable, and we were seeing the results that we were getting. I think we just started tapping into our client base and seeing who, who made the right, who was the right fit? Who could we help with this? Started tapping into our client base and saying, hey, you know, what do you think about this? Um, starting to get experience with that, putting it as an official offering on our website, starting to market around it and build the channels in. And then really, it's, it's honestly, you know, at that time, inbound wasn't figured out, right? Like, you know, people were still trying to figure out what's working, what's not working, um, what's the best approach to things, and, and so on. And so there was a lot of figuring it out, you know, getting the repetitions and, um, you know, opening up that, that channel. Um, so, yeah, I think that wow. was really the process.
1: Man. So then if we fast forward a little bit in the journey from you guys – having experienced HubSpot and the power of HubSpot for yourselves and the way that that worked and then breaking into the client ecosystem. I think uh, one of the things that a lot of people have heard you talk about and kind of are familiar with your story um, and familiar with your work now in the web design community and the HubSpot ecosystem for your work at Square 2. What was, so maybe walk us through. So I guess we haven't maybe formally said this, but Savvy Panda acquired by Square 2 in 2014, 2013,
2: 2014. It's, uh, just over, uh, just over actually two years. It was October 15th, 2014.
1: The anniversary. (laughs) Congratulations. Um, so walk us through kind of that. Tell us a story of that process. What went into making that decision and, and, uh, excuse me if I interrupt you a couple of times to, I'm sure there's going to be a ton of questions that I have too, but, but walk us through that story of making that transition, the decision to sell your baby and, uh, and join forces with square tail.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, once after I got out of college and started thinking a little bit more seriously about the business and as it matured, I I did have the intention of, of selling it. And I just didn't think it would happen so soon, honestly. And so, uh, Mike Lieberman, who's the president of spiritual marketing and I were in this mastermind group together. And, uh, um, they were, they were looking to grow, you know, square two marketing is on a tear. So they were looking to acquire talent and acquire revenue. And, um, I, one of the things that made us look very favorable was our specialty in HubSpot COS design and development. Um, we had done some high profile projects, including, you know, building the designers site for HubSpot and, we were really doing a lot of innovative things on the on the platform and so the combination of you know looking to acquire that talent as well as um, the revenue and growing that business it was, it was something that was favorable to them so Mike just kind of reached out and approached me and asked you know if it was something that I would consider and so you know I started thinking about it and um, you know I had the intention of selling my business, but it was I think a little bit earlier than I wanted to. And as I learned more about Square Two and how they were the leader in inbound marketing, um, the biggest inbound marketing agency in the world, and what they were doing, and it, it, you know, it started to really uh, appeal to me. You know, being able to be part of a bigger team, um, you know, losing some of the things that you don't necessarily like doing all the time as a business owner, especially. Uh, a a solo business owner, you know, um, not having a partner to help out in in specific areas. So being able to offload things like HR and finances and and sales, which I don't particularly like doing and um, getting to, you know, work more consistently on the types of projects that you like to work on, I think was was appealing. Uh, It also was nice timing because I was just about to have my first child, and uh, being able to spend more time with family and not have all the strains of, of business associated with that was also, was also a bonus. So was, there was a lot of appealing things, you know, um, not, not having things that you don't necessarily like doing, be able to work on the things that you like doing, still being part of a leadership team that runs the business. Right. Um, you know, I think it was – and then just our philosophies, you know, it had to be a good cultural fix. And, and our philosophies on how we did things – it was a good cultural fit and there was, um, you know, we, we thought very much alike. And so it, it seemed like a, a very good fit. And then um, I think ultimately at the end of the day, the, the financial terms also made sense. We were able to come to a good agreement on that. And so that's that's really how it uh, came together.
1: Right. Wow. So I've got, uh, I, and I want to get into some of the work that you guys are doing with Square2Now, but I've got a couple of specific questions because I know we're going to hear these, I'm sure you've heard them before when people ask, because that's one of the topics that's come up quite a bit with agency owners. I think there are a lot of agency owners out there who are, especially ones without a partner, this is something I've heard a lot, is it's really easy to burn out and it, it would be nice to be able to work within the context of a large organization and have some of those resources and not be the the captain of the ship trying to trying to juggle all the different uh, organizations within a department or within a company and figure out how to keep the ball rolling. But as far as, so what was the, uh, I don't know how you'd really put a timeline on this, but I'm curious to know from maybe the initial discussion with Mike to the point when the deal closed and you guys uh, officially became a part of of Square 2, what was that timeline like?
2: So we started discussions in May and we closed in uh, October. So it was roughly five months, I want right. to say, five or five and a half months. Um, I think that's average okay. for, from from everything I've heard for a typical timeline. I mean, Spread2 has had some other acquisitions that we've done as well. So um, we had another one, you know, just after mine, actually, which was a smaller organization. Uh, I think that only took about two months for that acquisition, was very short on the timeline. And then just recently we mm-hmm. acquired another company. Uh, which is a, a pretty large company, and they uh, that one took over a year. So that, there yeah. was some back and forth, and there was some time off, and and so that one. So, but I think the average length is about six months, from, okay. from what I've heard. But it can get done quicker, and it can get done longer. Right,
1: right. go both ways. As far as the structure of the deal itself, for agencies who are, this is a question I've heard a couple times, which I have not sold an agency. I'm not sure why uh why this question will come to me but um around the deal structure how an agency um gets valued or kind of what goes into that and so there's some elements i think most frequently in the conversations i've had uh agencies are often valued on a on a multiple of what actual net profits look like or or your earnings um not top line revenue like is more common maybe in the software space. Um, but then there's also often an element of like an earn out for the agency principals or owner. What, uh, in any details that are off limits, obviously, or you can't talk about totally understand, but in terms of what agencies should be thinking about, whether this is from your own experience, um, what what would you tell agencies they should be looking for, thinking about when they want to figure out like what would my agency be worth? Do I is this something I would want would want to move forward with or not?
2: Sure. So I mean the big thing is profit, right? So it doesn't really matter how much revenue you have. Um, if, if you really want to get the most bang for your buck, you gotta look at how much profit you're getting. And and, and yes, there is a, a multiplier. <clears throat> I think the typical multiplier is somewhere around three to five for for agencies. I don't remember exactly what it is anymore, but it's it's somewhere for our space it's somewhere around three to five if I remember correctly mm-hmm. um, so but I mean the performance of your business will affect that multiplier right so your profit, how well your internal workings are how well it's a a, a fit so there's a lot of things that can affect that that multiplier um, and so you know the process for the valuation though um, when when we went through it. Square two had a consultant they were working with. We had a consultant we were working with to kind of run the numbers. And so they they handed over all our financials, they crunched their numbers, they put together a presentation with their valuation model. They they val they took three different valuation models and then compared all of them kind of side by side. Our consultants did the same. There was negotiation in there, of course, and then we came to um an loi letter of intent you know after we came to some agreement some just some rough agreement on terms you know here's here's the offer here's the valuation uh, ba- or the the offer based on the valuation here's the general terms that we discussed and then out of the loi then you kind of go into the finer the finer details of structuring the deal and then finalizing it loi is not necessarily binding other than to, you know, uh, other than maybe to the terms that you've agreed to, um, but it just means that look, we're we're serious about doing this, and we have some agreed upon terms. And then you know, it starts going over to the lawyers, and you kind of start getting into the to the finer details on it. Um, <clears throat> so it it was a pretty typical structure, you know, upfront payment, um, uh, uh, earn out over time, and um, uh, what else was there. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm sorry. So we we had uh, so upfront upfront payment, um, earn out over time, and then mine also had a component of a consistent piece over time as well. So um, sometimes you just get an earn out over time. Sometimes you get that consistent piece. So it's but it's a pretty common deal structure, you know, upfront earn out plus some a, a consistent portion over time as well. Right. And, um, so yeah that was that was really how I was structured and I, I think that's very common that's a very a, a very common structure
1: right well that's helpful and I appreciate you sharing it um, to try and for agencies who are thinking like hey I might like to be acquired at some point um, I guess if you had to kind of sum up what what the advice would be to someone if they want to build uh, an acquisition target that makes sense I mean it sounds like the uh some kind of specialization is obviously going to be attractive but what were what were things that either were helpful to you or also if you could have made things even even better looking back on it now what are the things you would tell a young agency who's thinking like hey maybe i want to be acquired at some point in time to to position them the best way possible
2: well uh, i mean you have to have the right cultural fit i think or the right fit for the company right so but that's that's about finding the right person to be acquired by i mean just having everything set up for you know profit a recurring revenue streams you know making sure you have consistent uh, consistent revenue coming in and that it's not you know um you know it's not hey just project based or whatever the right. more consistent so you can show with 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 revenue coming in the better um having a very talented team uh, that's stable and that's not ha- having a lot of turnovers. Obviously, um, something that we look at. Cultural fit is very important. You know, how well are we going to fit into the culture? That's that's a little bit you can't really plan for that, I right. guess. But I know when we look at evaluating agencies, and I, I, you know, I'm part of the team that will look at the agencies that we want to acquire, and we evaluate and we say. No, to just as many as you know as we're interested in. We have many that we say no to. Um, those those are some of the big things that we look at. Of course, is is revenue. How well are their clients a fit for our clients? Um, how how well are they a fit from our from our cultural perspective? Um, uh, we look at the team and the talent, of course. And so there's there's a lot of different things that that we're looking at. But uh, I mean, money money talks. Right. very loudly so that's that's obviously a very key factor so you yeah, want to get the most bang for your buck revenue and profit profit
1: that makes a lot of sense thanks for sharing that and i want to so we can move away from uh the whole murders and acquisitions M and a conversation uh walk us through like what is the day by day of your role at square two right now what uh what are you up to on a daily basis
2: sure um i'm all over the place <laughs> <laughs> so I, I mean I, I manage our development team you know that's my that's my department and focus so I manage all our developers and really am responsible for the development of, of any of our of our websites um, building efficiency helping the team build efficiencies um, uh, you know uh, making sure that our projects are profitable uh, making sure we're finishing on time um, you know all of all of everything that essentially comes with development. That's, that's my core focus. I'm also part of the leadership team that helps, um, look at the, the vision and the strategy of the business and helping rolling out that vision of strategy. You know, each quarter, what's going to help us get to our goals. What are, what do we need to do this quarter, um, to achieve everything that we're looking to achieve to kind of continue, continue being the number one in our marketing agency in the world. And, um, uh, but then I'm, I also help with other departments and areas that kind of have a diverse skill set. So um, I'm, I'm really into CRO and helping the consultants and the strategists work a little bit more on their conversion rate optimization strategy. I work with the design team as well on user experience. Um, so I work with them on that. And, um, you know, work on all the different processes behind the business and help with that. Uh, it, it's really different from time to time. I occasionally help with sales. Um, I occasionally, um, I'm occasionally the IT guy because <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't say on the low level, but from bigger IT strategy and determining our infrastructure and things like that, I am occasionally in that because that's something I have a lot of background and ex- experience in. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm all over the place, Gentle but many hats. <clears throat> um, it's, I, I love it. honestly. It's, it's, you know, keeps, keeps a variety. Um, you know, I get to focus on my team, but then I get all these other things that I really enjoy doing that I get to help, you know, move our company forward with and provide assistance in those different areas.
1: Right. Yeah, I know. It sounds like a really good fit for your skill sets and experience. I think coming from someone who's had to juggle all these different things to be able to be involved in those, but not necessarily be the, the sole person responsible. Uh, sounds like a good matchup and and have that ability to to help out and support in a lot of ways but not have to lead it on a day to day basis and and be overloaded so yeah hundred
2: percent i mean that's definitely that was definitely part of the appeal as, right. as as well you know that was that was definitely part of the decision is having all these different areas of expertise that you can you can definitely rely on and like we didn't we didn't do any in house content and just that alone having this incredible content department with editors and writers and content strategists. And, you know, it was, it was, uh, um, just having this full team in areas of expertise. It's, it's great being able to work with all these different, really smart people.
1: Yeah. So, um, quite a while ago we had Mike on the podcast and talked about kind of the hive structure that you guys have. And, um, a lot of the way that you're approaching client work and uh, and delivering that. But we didn't get too deep into the actual development side of things. And obviously one of the topics that's hot right now, especially in the HubSpot ecosystem, is growth-driven design. You mentioned Luke earlier, and he'll be coming on the podcast here in a couple weeks. But he's kind of spearheading that whole charge right now. Um, So I'd be curious to know, this is something at our agency at GuavaBox, we've kind of struggled with... um, I think it's hard, the larger the agency is, the harder it is to just make a clean split and say, we're done with traditional web design. We're going to do a completely different thing. And obviously it's not like you've got traditional is one thing. It's not like we ever do something for five years straight and then it's a hard, there's, things are always evolving a little bit. Um, but I'd be curious to know, like right now, as you guys are tackling projects, what is the workflow, the way that you're structuring um, and allocating resources, just the way that you're tackling projects? Are you doing growth-driven design? Are you doing these kind of big website redesigns? Uh, it sounds like you're doing CRO. And, uh, so there's a whole bunch of questions I have in there, but what's the overall kind of approach and philosophy with, with clients right now?
2: Sure. So, I mean, really it's really about listening to the client and understanding their needs, right? So it's going to be a little different for each client and what we do for them. I think one of the issues that we've had in our industry for inbound marketing is inbound marketing has really become very commoditized, and people aren't necessarily listening to what the client needs. They're just saying, hey, here's your list of things to do, and as the year goes on, they just go through their checklist and check things off. And it's it's really important to listen to your clients and understand their needs and be able to strategically plan for their goals and strategically plan for for success for them and then being able to consistently update and change that engagement. So you know we we need to be for us we've really adopted agile and agile marketing and, and, and Scrum and being able to to pivot and quickly and and, and rapidly um, rapidly change and 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 implement and it's something that I think has been very successful for us. So as we kind of look at these engagements. You know, every engagement is going to be a little bit different. So, some may be more, some may be very inbound focused and not as web focused. Some may be very web focused with a little bit of inbound. Uh, But we don't necessarily distinguish websites over here and inbound marketing over here and growth driven design over here. You know, everything's intermingled. And so everything plays its own part, and it really depends on what lever we need to pull that that month in order to push our results out. So as we look at the engagements, you know, there's going to be areas that are more specifically focused in one area or another, most likely. Um, but they're all intermixed. So for instance, with us with growth driven design, we've really taken some of the best pieces of that, right? So um launch pads, being able to launch a base foundational site and being able to do that very rapidly. That's something that we've adapted across the board for pretty much all of our websites. Um, we want to be able to launch very quickly. We want to be able to launch um very uh, you know uh, in a very timely fashion so that we can start generating results much quicker. Um, and so you know it's it's I wouldn't say there's specific areas for us everything has just become intermixed. And and we really look at what we need to get that client success. Right.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. With the types of clients, I'm sure that the answer is going to be it depends and it varies, which is the answer to pretty much every question in, in business and agency life. But um like average lifespan of a project that you guys are doing right now, are there web design projects that are so I guess maybe the like base level question is are you doing website projects apart from a retainer agreement with a client?
2: It it happens occasionally, but typically those websites are actually retainers in themselves and they involve some sort of component. So it it may be structured as maybe a shorter retainer for some of those where we're launching a website iteratively and we're getting to a point with it. Uh, So we have picked up some of those, but it's, it's not a primary focus per se. It's when the fit is right and it makes sense. And uh, I think it also looks at, look, can we make this a long-term client? Do we, see, do we see this project as really just the beginning of what their need is now, where we feel like we can help them more in the future? So we do we, – we, and, and this is actually a little bit different stance than what we used to have because we used to not take that on at like, right. all. And um, uh, we, we have pivoted on that a, a little bit. So for the right projects, we have started taking those on on uh, on a shorter retainer essentially. Um but it's gotta meet kind of specific criteria for right. us.
1: So the average if you're doing a this because of that, because most of these are retainers, this might be hard to answer. There may not be a good answer for this. But is the, there I guess when you're thinking of like uh kind of a hardcore website build where you're you've got development talent working hard on the like kind of the core site and building it out. Is there an average like project length in terms of how long it would take to kind of go not, it's not necessarily a finish line, but in the normal sense, like start to finish on a website.
2: Sure. Um, yeah, it it very much. Exactly. (laughs) I I would say the average is roughly, geez, um, roughly through, uh, three to five months. You know, yeah. it's it's about the same average that you're going to see in the industry, but it's done differently. Right. So rapid strategy, rapid launch so that you're not waiting all right. that time period, um, that you're getting something much quicker, that you're right. seeing something in 30 to 45 days. A lot of times that you're getting something launched and out the door very rapidly and then continuing to iteratively work on that. So you're not, you're not waiting that whole, whole period. Um, but of course, some go shorter, some go much longer. So, but I, I'd say, you know, the, the average is still, um, pretty consistent with what you see in the industry for the overall length of what it takes to build.
1: Yeah. I've got just a couple more questions for you. I mean, there's, I could ask questions all day, I'm sure, but, uh, but I won't for, for your sake and for the listener's sake, so don't take up their, their whole day. But, um. In terms of stuff you guys are doing on the COS right now, the stuff that, as we're recording this pre inbound, this will probably go out pre inbound. So not everything that will be unleashed is necessarily on the table to be talked about. But what what uh, this is your opportunity to put your nerdy hat on for a second. What kind of stuff are you guys working on that uh, that gets you most excited in terms of working on HubSpot COS?
2: Oh, my favorite thing right now has been Hub DB. Um, so we've built a couple projects on Hub DB. And, uh, that, that's really exciting. You know, that opens up the possibilities to do a lot more things yeah. and the, the user experience. So we, you know, when we showed this to our, our clients and how easy it is for them to manage the database and add records and, and how simple of an experience it was, they were just so happy with it. It was just very simple and, um, and, and for us being able to develop it, um, to develop it and, and put the the resources into the how we went about that, and for us to have the control as developers through that, and the client to be able to very simply then also be able to manage that database. That's that's uh, very exciting. Um, I'd probably say the second thing is also another beta feature, the multilingual. So we have mm-hmm. a few sites that we've built on on multilingual right now, and uh, going through that process and learning the multilingual features um, has has been um, has been very exciting, um, and yeah, I think there's you know there's some e-commerce things that we're doing with with Shopify and HubSpot. Nothing too crazy. That's been that's been a little bit more fun and working with some uh, some more advanced workflows. I think between the two, um, I, th- I think that's been fun. But H- HubDB definitely definitely takes it. I've, I've really loved working with HubDB.
1: I'm in the same boat. That to me is. I guess my first reaction was about time. And my second reaction was this is <laughs> this is going to be awesome. So I'm really excited about the future and, uh, and that's uh, evolution as it continues to grow. All right. I'm going to blindside you here with my last question for you. <laughs> and this is not, not work related. Oh, I mean, there's, everything's kind of intertwined, but as a, uh, as a dad with two kids um, involved in a lot of different things, obviously wearing a lot of hats at work, is there a morning routine or, like, as you're getting up and getting prepped for the day, what does that first hour or 90 minutes look like? And is there something that you're following? And if it's not, maybe something that fits in that. Is there, like, a routine that you have that, uh, that feeds into your success?
2: Well, <laughs> um, it's surprisingly boring uh yes. <laughs> and i think i think maybe the secret is is getting it done as quickly as possible so that i can get get to what i need to be doing so um you know a couple of days a week i get up at like 5:30 in the morning and go to a brazilian jiu jitsu practice um so those those days i'm just getting everything ready the day before cause, so i can pretty much hit my alarm at 5:30 and rush out the door to to get right to practice other than that i mean it's really just about being as efficient of my time when it, from when I wake up and getting out the door, you know, just doing all my basics to get here into the office, so that you know I'm really maximizing my time, not not uh, doodling around in the morning, and uh, um, so it's uh, luckily I have my wife who's a stay at home mom and she's got the kids handled, and um, I don't have to worry about that. So the real MVP yes <laughs> so it's it's a surprisingly boring routine just uh, maximize the efficiency of your time so that you can spend your time in other areas really
1: for sure i love it well cool well Gabe, thank you so much for your time for coming on for being willing to share for uh i mean all this stuff will be in the show notes as well but for people who want to follow you and what you're doing especially with the square with the team at square two what's the best place for uh for them to keep up on you
2: Twitter and LinkedIn. Yes. So yeah, definitely Twitter and LinkedIn are, are where I keep all my updates. And, and if you guys want, come see me. I'll be <clears throat> speaking about CRO at uh, Inbound this year. I got a session. So if that's a topic you're interested in. It's uh, demystifying CRO, um, uh, a beginner's guide to conversion rate optimization for low traffic B2B websites. So very specific topic that there's not a lot of information on. So if you, we have a low traffic website under 50,000 visits uh, and are in the B2B space and are interested in CRO. This is a, a very spot on subject.
1: I, I saw the title and I don't remember off the top of my head. I'll see if you remember the, the time and date for it. But seeing that title, I was like, yes, this is inbound needs more of these niche sessions. That's like, here's exactly who this is for and what you're going to get out of this. That's way better than the super vague sessions that, uh, that you don't really know what you're signing up for.
2: Yep, yep. So it's ten thirty, I believe. forty five. It's the first. It's the first. Uh, first track or first like time slot on the first day that Wednesday. Okay. Awesome. Um,
1: cool. Well, we'll make sure that info is in the show notes as well. Gabe, thanks for coming on, man.
2: Absolutely. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you for listening to Inbound Agency Journey. You can find the show's notes for today's episode at doinbound.com slash podcast. Again, that's doinbound, all one word, .com forward slash podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, head over to iTunes to subscribe or leave us a review of the show. Until next time, remember, life is a journey. Keep moving forward.